Welcome. Thank you for joining Patient No Longer, the latest strategic offering from NRC Health. After hearing time and again for the need to share stories among like-minded healthcare leaders and doers, we've developed this brand new exclusive video podcast. I'm Ryan Donahue, solutions expert for NRC Health and faculty member and strategic advisor for the Governance Institute. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Brian Wynn. Hi, welcome. I'm Brian, Vice President at NRC Health. Now, Ryan and I know there's a ton of content out there, but we really think you're going to like this format. Well, we're going to take individual opportunities or problems, dig very deep, talk about the strategy and execution, and of course, you know, have some fun doing it while we're talking to the folks that have solved those problems. Ryan, as we speak a lot about, the healthcare journey for the healthcare customer is usually a lackluster one, sometimes fairly frustrating. As a matter of fact, our data would suggest that confusion and frustration are the two most frequently noted emotions from the healthcare consumer with regard to their journey. And there are confusions around cost, confusions around access, um, all kinds of barriers. And, and certainly one of those barriers would be a lack of an understanding of the moments of truth that they're having as they sort of navigate through a healthcare experience. Now, it begs the question, what if a health system, a healthcare provider, set out intentionally to ease that pain in those areas and bring a sense of wholeness and knowing to the consumer experience, both online and offline? So that very question today, we, we hope we can debate and, and talk about with our guests. And we'd like to welcome Jeff Shoemate from Alina Healthcare, Chief Marketing Officer. Welcome, thank you, Jeff, for joining us today. Thanks, uh, great to be here, guys. I think it's uh, great, a great topic to explore. So thank you. Uh, a quick bit about Jeff. Uh, Jeff actually comes to us from outside of healthcare. Uh, this is a bit of an emerging trend, and I know we want to talk more about that piece. So coming from research and consumer packaged goods, and most recently retail before joining Alina Health, um, certainly brings unique perspectives in that way. Uh, Jeff has a house full of kids, um, actually ages similar to mine, sort of leaving the house at this point, but then five chickens in the backyard. I don't know if we're going to have time to, to get to that, Jeff, but that's... Maybe we'll see one in the background. Maybe we'll see one um, um, mosey on by in the back. As I mentioned, Jeff's chief marketing officer with Alina Healthcare, and Alina is a big health system in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. And that is, you know, when I say big, I'm talking... in revenues in excess of $4 billion, uh, serving more than 2 million patients per year. And they're operating in a market that is highly competitive. They're an incredibly strong brand. Um, but I think that even Jeff would agree that this is a market that is maybe ripe for some disruption and ripe for some change. And so we want to dig into those areas too. So I'm not going to throw you a softball right out of the gate, Jeff. Uh, this, is, this is kind of a big question, and, and let's, let's start here. You will talk about the mission of Alina bringing digital and human-centered care to life at Alina. Can you define that for us quickly? And then we're going to talk about some real meaty stuff on how you actually fulfill that. Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, I like the way you frame the problems uh, that consumers are experiencing. You know, I, I think it is really about the two ones that come to the top are sort of cost and fragmentation of the experience. I think as a marketer, though, you also look at, and you touched on this a little bit, sort of the emotional spectrum that consumers are going through in that journey. And it really runs from sort of the, the routine frustration of uh, inconvenience all the way to fear, right? Like if you think about the spectrum of care, that there are, some of our patients are in a real place of fear when they get that initial diagnosis. 
And so the way we the way we think about what we want to stand for as a brand is definitely about whole person care, but it's also about bringing the assets of that whole system, the whole spectrum of care that we deliver. And when life gets tough, surrounding the consumer with all of that care that they need in a way that makes them feel loved. We talk about a love a lot in, in healthcare because at the end of the day, that sense of security and that somebody sort of has me and has it, we think is the ultimate delivery of what we're trying to do. I, I want to touch on that piece really quick, Jeff, because that that's not something that we frequently hear. Uh, matter of fact, um, for a health system to be trying to measure and meter emotion to begin with is a bit unique. But then thinking about and talking about and using the word love as it relates to how someone is treated and how they, they should feel compassion. And it, that, that's, that's really interesting to me. So how, how do you go about uh, measuring that? How do, how do you go about measuring emotion? It sort of ladders up to what the brand is going to stand for in people's minds. And people who manage brands have lots of ways to measure that. That's, you know, if, if, if you do brand tactically, if you do brand track kinds of measurement, you'll start to understand what's the complexion of what your brand stands for. What's its personality? What is the value that people get from it? But, but down at the experience level, we start with NPS, right? We start with how good is the experience? And then we try to measure how differentiated it is. And, it, and, the, and the differentiation point kind of gets to your original question, which is what are those moments of truth and how does digital lay into it? And so, you know, we've done the journey work that lots of people have done. And we, we feel like the place to start with the way our system is put together is we got to make it more seamless. So that comes down to, to pretty tactical, like, are we getting the handoffs right? Do we, do, we, do we make people feel sort of abandoned in their journey because we don't know what the next step is or they don't know what the next step is or we don't get a referral right? And um, you know, a lot of the digital stuff that you were kind of hinting at helps sort of knit that experience together in a big way. And of course, once it's digital, then we can measure whether people are coming along for the ride, right? We keep visibility to them. So we, we kind of glance at each other because we know now that your bio is true, Jeff. You are from outside of industry because you use the word brand without prompting, without needing you know a session on it. And, and that shows your, your prowess in bringing in from outside of industry. And I, I know we're gonna touch on that more, but sticking with emotion, one more question on that. Because we've done surveys through our market insights instrument, our consumer studies. It's so easy in the journey of care to get caught up in the 29 touch points You'd already mentioned you guys have done the journey work and to completely miss the emotion. So we talk to people who say, even after my experience, I'm confused, I'm afraid, I'm really worried about care because I'm still paying for it. So to consumers, that's still part of the process. Talk about that a little bit as you've mapped out the journey. You know, when we think about emotion, it's so easy to just context it inside the patient experience and say, well, we're, we're delivering care and that's the emotional part. But we hear that emotions are running rampant before and after, you know, in the pre and post. What, was that part of your journey work as well as understanding the emotional journey? Yeah, for sure. And we don't have all this built yet, right? So I don't wanna, I don't wanna leave the impression that we've got it all figured out. But I think moving from the point of measuring the times when we're right in, in front of the patient and like, you know, how did that go, right? To 
really understanding that the benefit that we could deliver in what they experience sits between those appointments, right? Between those interactions with the call center, between those trips to the website. And those are actually the places where they may be the most in need emotionally, right? Like the cancer patient who is between chemo appointments, the chemo appointment went fine, but you know, I was terrified and really feeling lost in between those two. So how do we, how do we help them in those moments? And maybe those are the most important sort of moments that matter uh, or moments of truth, as you said, and figuring out how we show up for them uh, in those times and really understand what they're going through in those times is, is really important. And we're still not getting the handoffs right yet in the way that we can. So it's, it's definitely like all brand building, you got to get the basics right so that you can sort of deliver a promise at a, at a higher level. I know we want to move away from emotion, but I, I love this topic because we don't get to talk about it very often. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go one more and actually, and, and actually emotion on a case specific uh, area. And that would be around the pandemic around, around COVID, uh, obviously a very challenging year through most of 2020 and, and still in, still facing those challenges as we move into 2021. One of the emotions that you actually hit on a moment ago was, was that of fear. And we saw uh, through our consumer tracking that the fear spiked, right? Um, and alongside things like healthcare deferment that were exclusive of the health system shutting down services, it, this is not associated with that. So those customers that are actively deferring care, and then when, when we're asking why, it is, it is largely around COVID. And we saw those deferment numbers spike up north of 30%. And so that's really scary when we think about a third of the country that is deferring what they would consider necessary care and, and, and fear being the hurdle, you know, not access and, and not those handoffs that are creating friction. So what, what has Alina done to address fear in that very sort of, we'll call it that, uh, that narrow episode? I don't think we were unique in this. We saw those patterns early on. And, you know, I think like many people did. And so we, you know, we tried to get out to our consumers very quickly to let them know that we were taking precautions to make the environments where they're going to get care as safe as possible. And so that was, you know, I talk a lot about getting the, getting the brand say, which is the advertising or messaging and the do, which is the experience lined up so that, so that, um, you know, we're authentically uh, delivering on a value proposition. But we, you know, we, we show, did a lot of show and tell around, hey, we've got spacing in our clinics, we're cleaning things, we're uh, taking temperatures and taking precautions. We, like I think most systems, saw a huge rush to our online uh, service opportunities and, um, you know, advanced the ball pretty dramatically there. Um, and uh, so I, I don't know that we did anything really unique there but it was important to do at the time. And you know, we saw uh, a reasonable response to that. And, and um, I think we consider that a successful sort of chapter in our COVID journey. I will say that it was, it was really revealing to this point about you know, where the gaps in our system, our system and the collective system, because you put everybody in this situation of, hey, there's something in my health that I really need to be concerned about all at once, right? So, you know, a cancer patient gets that, somebody gets a hard diagnosis, and they experience that fear. I think we as a population experience that fear collectively. 
and and it it uh, for us sort of made this point across a broader population uh, that there's there's gaps there and we need to we need to show up differently. Oh, that's so true. And we we hear that echoed throughout. You've got consistency even among your leadership team, Jeff. We had an interview with uh, your CEO, Dr. Penny Wheeler, who will be joining the NRC Health Board uh, shortly. We're excited about that. But she talked a lot about that as well, some of the work that you did ahead of time helping you to prepare where other hospitals were sort of thrust into the situation of trying to connect with consumers without much practice, really, in the recent past. But you in particular were in a very difficult situation in the Twin Cities, for our listeners to know. Um, you were dealing with the pandemic. You were also dealing with George Floyd. And that happened blocks away from your headquarters. Brian and I have both been there. So that had to be an incredible challenge. Can you just say a little bit about what it was like from that sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, just as the preparation for our facilities and COVID and, um, you know, being ready for a surge, uh, as soon as that effort was done, I think we had about a week break and then George Floyd. And so then it was, you know, sort of all hands on deck, uh, trying to deal with disruption to our to facilities that we had, right, which needed to be delivering care and happened to be in those uh, in those areas. And then, you know, I think even further concern among our patients to be going out and getting care. So yeah, it was, it was a real challenge uh, logistically as well as just, you know, emotionally, I think everybody had a, a challenging uh, several weeks there as, as did we. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a sidebar, but, but I think relevant, it, it has caused us to, I think, do reflection on and double down on uh, how we think about how we deliver care to populations of color and people who don't have as much access to care historically and, and disparities there. Um, so it's, you know, 2020 was a real uh, curriculum <laughs> on uh, how, we can, how we can do better. Yeah, that's, it's interesting when something like an event like that, or I guess, you know, the sort of the zeitgeist of 2020 was, that it, it shone a light on disparities and inequities. And I'm glad it did because it, then it brings to bear. I mean, it puts it puts responsibility on all of us to, to sort of address those. Ryan and I do a lot of work, uh, Ryan specifically with boards of directors and, uh, you know, addressing these things from the from the top of an organization down. So how are we going to address how is the system going to care for populations equally and, and, and ensure that everybody's moving forward together? What, what are some of the things that you've seen, Ryan, in terms of working with boards across the country that are specifically addressing things like um, inequities and, and, and variance in care? Well, we've, we've seen two approaches, and I think Alina will, will land in the latter, and that's the better one. So the former is, uh, the, the first approach we see is someone brings in a speaker on diversity and inclusion, maybe adds that to someone's title who already has three or four titles, and says, we'll spend an hour on it in the next board meeting. Um, we've actually found, though, that the second approach is look at the data, and, and it speaks for itself. When you look at populations, people of color, um, folks in certain zip codes, we know through data that those people have drastically different levels of access and much lower access to care. We also know that that creates all kinds of other situations within that, right? Because those people often can't afford care. When they do seek care, a lot of them defer care, as you mentioned, Brian, but if they do seek care, they come in through the most expensive door, the emergency room, right? For some of them, that's their doctor. So all of those situations often draw back to paying attention to the data and, and what it's telling you behind your own consumers. 
that should absolutely live at the board level. It should live at the strategic level because it's the right business thing to do. And on the human side of things, it's the right thing to do. Unfortunately, I can't say that a lot of boards fit into that category just yet. It's, it's a process. Yeah, certainly an evolution. Well, it, that actually brings, brings to light another thing. Uh, with regard to populations that are potentially being underserved, we find that institutional trust is usually one of the factors there. And it's, there's another emotion, right? A, a trust with the health system. So in, in your mission to bring digital and human-centered care to Alina, how do you address that emotion specifically? I've already asked about fear, now another tough one on trust. How do you build trust by way of um, you know, demonstrating connectivity and messaging to the market? I think trust is the antidote to fear or is, or is a, it helps you get to a point of feeling that this, this system, this brand that I trust has, has got me, right? I think a big dose of that solution comes with being in connection with and in dialogue with the patient when they need help or when, you know, when they think they need help or when we know they need help, right? And so digital is a big enabler of that. And this industry is, and Kalina included, is way behind on being able to deliver that, right? So that is just an online digital presence, um, the ability to communicate uh, and, and personalize that communication through a journey in a relevant way. You know, those are, those are kind of all of the tactics. And I, you know, if you think of brands that you really trust, you know, that's, they show up in person that way when you have a human to human interaction, but they show up, you know, on your phone or on your PC or on the call center in a way that makes you feel like they know you at least, or at least they're tuned into what your issues are. That is, I think that's the way where healthcare is, uh, is no different than any other service industry, frankly. And that's one of the interesting parts for me about being in this business is that in, in some ways we're pioneers and in some ways we're laggards, right? We're kind of both at the same time, you know, being the lagger means that laggard means that you can look at sort of what other industries have done and kind of see the path. And at the same time, it's probably not exactly the same for healthcare, right? So we, in, in that sense, we're pioneers and we need to figure out how do we apply that here in a way that, in a way that makes sense. Yeah, and I love how you said that pioneers and laggards, and and of course we have lots of stories about lagging behind. Uh, so we, one in particular, we've mentioned digital a few times, and you guys have done some incredible work. We've had the opportunity to present at conferences with Chris Dufresne and other folks on the Alina team who've tried to replicate the physical experience in a virtual sense, so that when the consumer has virtual, physical, virtual, physical, there's consistency. I think that is a key ingredient of the care journey that doesn't get talked about a lot, but that involves you folding in digital at every point. What we hear, again, at the board level and at the executive level, is people talk about digital like it's its own thing. It's on an island. Well, we're gonna spend some time on digital and then we're gonna talk about the rest of our strategy. We have five pillars and we're gonna add a sixth pillar and that's gonna be digital. And, and Brian, I know that you struggle with that too. Um, the whole idea that the digital is considered separately and you've had experiences with that. Do you wanna to touch on that? Sure, I think maybe best put, one of the smartest ways I've ever had this put was um, it was really reconciliation of what the digital front door means. And they had an executive from Sharp Healthcare sort of explain this. And 
as she was explaining it, she was saying that most would treat it as, as what you just described, sort of sort of this extra thing. Okay, now we're going to add this non-traditional way of engaging with patients. It said, that, that's not really it at all. The digital front door is just sort of, it's everywhere. It's around us. It is the ecosystem that, that sort of in, encapsulates and sort of fills the gaps through all the, in between all the physical experiences. And so her advice to other leaders was to treat that, cultivate that, invest in it like you would your highest profit service line. Right and 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 operationalize it as such, right. and I think that was probably some of the best advice I've seen, and I've I've, I've heard and seen lots of uh, less terrific advice. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so tough too when you when you consider it separate. So we got to touch on this too. We've already kind of ribbed Jeff a little bit for for good things for being out of industry. How much of that experience, Jeff, in your position, is from you coming from other industries? And second part of that is. All of these folks coming from out of industry into healthcare, seeing it both be a pioneer and a laggard, which I think you need to have an outside vision to see, is that where consumerism is going to continue to advance? Is it from pulling from other industries? Because you also said it doesn't all translate. So what's the future of being able to draw from examples from other industries and apply them into healthcare? Uh, I guess we'll see. <laughs> well, my experience, my uh, I, I feel a little bit like I've I've seen part of this movie before because in my background I went from packaged goods into Best Buy retail, and there was a experience there where you went from living with a bunch of marketers who get brand and get consumer into a business a business that was trying to do that or felt like it needed to do that, and there's a translation exercise there, right? Like you come in and you start talking uh, brand stuff and people look at you like you're from outer space. Right. And so, and so there's a, how do I, how do I talk in a way and connect in the biz to the business in a way that's going to be relevant enough that people get it and that they can align around it. It's kind of like your digital point, right? Digital can't be the separate thing that you just sort of put a code of digital on everything and it's going to, going to work. It has to be, about how you change the way you run the business. And so I think for outsiders coming in, I think that's a, that was a learning curve for me going into retail. I, I, I feel like there's a similar thing that has to happen coming into healthcare, particularly delivery. Finding your footing as a, as a consumer advocate in this business means uh, having some humility around really trying to understand the business and finding ways to have impact while you're also really trying to disrupt the way uh, it works foundationally. I don't know if that answers your question, Ryan, but that was, that's uh It actually uh, sparks another one on my end. And I think, and it's, it's in that same vein and it's around something that you and I have spoken about and, and you mentioned this before, and I think you called it the translation. Like you, you have to be able to translate that experience and, and, uh, your knowledge of consumer science and, and translate it to whatever industry you're going into. And healthcare may be the most unique one, the most nuanced industry. And so maybe talk to us a little bit about how do you find that translation? What are the, thing, what are the things that you find yourself constantly going to when you're, when you're bouncing ideas off the wall? Uh, how do you tune yourself to make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're healthcareized, you're right-sized for healthcare? And maybe not, in, and not too much, right? Um, what's the what's the babble uh, for <laughs> for healthcare healthcare executive translation from coming from out of industry? I th I think uh, in my case we've got an organization that uh, sort of believes that we ought to be uh, 
listening to the consumer more. They see the macro trends. They, uh, you know, they they buy into the idea of um, you know if consumers get to choose more uh, on where they get the healthcare, that we've got to give them a reason to choose us. But that pretty quickly bumps up against uh, difficult decisions, right? Uh, like you know what we may have to have longer call times in the CEC. And I know we're trying to be efficient and then we're trying, right? But there are uh, non-transactional interactions that we need to have or other uh, decisions that have economic consequence or other consequence. And so, you know, I, I, think, I think you need to be prepared for that and you need to find a way to bring in metrics that people can buy into that demonstrate improvement in that, in that consumer space and ultimately tie them to economics. I think a couple of the big trends that are happening for us right now that help there are uh, you know, increasing portion of our business uh, that's gonna be in population health, which is gonna change the way we get paid. Um, increasing competition coming in that's gonna show up in market share that's gonna be a result of us not delivering the way we can with consumers, right? So, you know, it gets a lot tougher if, if uh, you know, the business is doing just fine, thank you very much. But if you can tie sort of the consumer to places in the business that um, need to perform better, I think, I, think, uh, I think that helps. Well, and Jeff, you said this earlier, you, you alluded to this as we were talking about brand building and, and the culture shift. And, and I love what you said about the entire organization embraces it. It's, it's not you fighting upstream in just the marketing role to try to convince people. And that's a huge benefit. But I also know there's people listening and watching this podcast who are saying, we're not there. I, I've got a lot of resistance. One of the things we hear a lot is the marketer, that lead marketer role like you're in, in other organizations where they feel like they're on a hamster wheel of advertising campaigns, promotional campaigns, social media, and they, they can't get off of it. Now, you said earlier, part of the key to brand building is to sort of set that foundation. And we believe to do that, you've got to sort of pause and say, hold on, we've got to figure out the foundation of the house is good. We're painting the walls and we don't know if it's a strong foundation. What's your advice to marketers and other strategic thinkers in healthcare who feel like they're on the hamster wheel, their brand, they're not really sure where it's going, what, it, what it's doing for them, and they wanna take that strategic pause, which, which is hard to convince others to do. I think the relationships that you have, and this is, you know, this is not unique to, to marketing, but if you're gonna to try to create change in the business, you need to establish uh, buy-in for uh, the groups that really are going to need to help change that. And so that's, I am gifted with a CEO who really buys in, a board who's very supportive, and, you know, an, an IS leader and operational leaders who believe that this is strategically important and are going to help us get to where we need to go. I think that that still runs into a, I'm not sure what that next decision that's going to cost me is actually worth. And so a big a part of what, what I have done is invested time and energy in consumer data and insights that helps tell that story. An example is getting a picture of how loyal are our patients, really? Like, so the, the, the business tends to talk about our patients and there's an implied sort of ownership there. If you actually look at their behavior 
An awful lot of them don't actually think of themselves that way. So they cross shop, they give other systems dollars to, you know, to take the business lens on it. And that's a bit of an eye opener, right? And in and of itself is a significant opportunity, not just financially, but also in the quality of care that gets delivered, right? So if you're, if you're about population health and you know a third of the care is going someplace else and you don't see it, that's gotta drive some different decisions. If you're about trying to get revenue or growth in a particular service line and you know those are going somewhere else at the consumer level, that helps sort of change minds and, and focus strategy. So um, it's gotta go beyond just sort of the bumper sticker, I believe we need to put the consumer at the center. You also have to bring data and argument and, um, and strategy that shows the business value that, that is gonna get created. And that's not, that's not easy and it takes time, but. Yeah, it's, we, we talk about loyalty all the time. I mean, that, that's, that's central to most of the conversations that we're having. And, and in addition to what you just talked about, I'd say that uh, bringing, bringing the science, bringing data to, to the forefront, uh, presenting it to all stakeholders so that they can sort of get on the bus too, is really important with the expectation from the consumer that, that the very next experience and one after that will be consistently elevated. Right. And, and so the, the bar is incredibly high and which I, as a as a consumer, I love it. Uh, and, and I think we probably all do as consumers, as those trying to wrestle it down. It may be a little bit of a different feeling, but it's sort of the notion of as a consumer, you know, I, I like you, but I'm also seeing other brands. Right. You know, and, and, and you haven't earned the earned the commitment yet. And, and so that's, you know, sort of lifting back up to this idea of loyalty and the way that you would connect to digital and human centered care. You have, a, again, a bit of a unique um, opportunity through your role in that patient experience reports up, up up through Jeff has oversight there as well as marketing and digital efforts. So, so you you sort of have the purview of those I would say touch points of experience. So how how does that how does that help you in terms of creating a story, creating a narrative, um, both at a macro level and then then what can it enable you to do at an individual level to hopefully earn that loyalty going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you were considering taking one of these jobs in a system from outside of the industry, I, I, I wouldn't take it if all I got was the advertising. Because if you're, you know, unless you really like advertising. <laughs> there are a few. If you, want to build a, if you want to build a brand in this business, because of the economics, you're never going to have a giant advertising budget. And so you have to change it in the experience. And the, and the company has to want to change it in the experience. And so that brings you back to, I think, the partnership. So the, the way it works in my role is I have direct control over the, over the digital part of the experience. And we are, we are working with the organization to, to set experience strategy and metrics and, and improvement. But you know the vast majority of the experience happens outside of my shop. And so that's where the partnership and the buy-in from operational leaders is is super important and um, and that's a and and that's where you know the math the consumer math and the insights really help you get along. You know one of the other things that I would say that's important um, that I also learned in retail is that and it's particularly true of this digital layer. The digital layer can't just be about the consumer. We also have to think about employees, right? So at the end of the day, back to the love idea, at the end of the day, despite what Silicon Valley would like to think, 
care is always going to be about some amount of human to human interaction and actual care in person. And so digital's role is really to connect the dots, fill in the blanks and make those successful interactions, which means that it also has to take work off the plate of employees, right? So somehow you've got to knit that together. So the, uh, Brian, you like this, the front stage and the backstage kind of work together, right? That the actors are supported and able to do their role because the backstage works really well. And that's the caregivers. And that's ultimately how you deliver a lot on love, right? You set those caregivers up to be successful and to help the system be successful by building that digital layer. And that, you know, that's, that's not just as easy as building a website or, or getting a CRM in place. Yeah, and on that note, Jeff, I, I think it's so interesting, you know, the way you talk about trust and love is so refreshing. And I, I can just tell within Alina that it's, I'm sure, a breath of fresh air given all of those employees go home and they're consumers too, right? They wear both hats. And in a lot of ways, we look at employees of an organization as the first consumers because they're going to tell you if they don't like that ad campaign or they don't believe in the brand. And they're the ones that can do the most damage if they're not believers. You know, Dr. Wheeler said something interesting in our interview with her. She said, 2020 was so difficult. We went from trying to understand if our employees were engaged, you know, they, every year you're struggling. Are we engaged? What's our level of engagement? Doing that HR survey every year, we all go through it. She said, we went from worrying about if they're engaged to if they're safe. And one of the interesting points that she, she sort of put out there and, and didn't give a, an exact response to, and I don't blame her, she said, I'm not sure when that changes back. From your view, Jeff, and being able to spread the movement of trust and love, do you get a sense for, is there a seamless transition back into, okay, we've gotten through most of the pandemic, now we're worrying back about engagement. Is there a, is there a way to get that timing wrong? I think a lot of people are wondering about that in healthcare. I think humans are re resilient and I am just in awe of everything that I've seen our teams do over the course of the last year. You know, because the early days we didn't, there was a lot we didn't know. And those people just continued to show up, right? And do what they needed to do, even though we didn't really understand fully the risks. So I, I think humans are resilient. And so I think we adapt and it gets, if not easier, at least more familiar. And yet, if we're really going to deliver the brand in the way we need to deliver it, we need to worry about engagement. And it probably starts with safety and feeling like they know what their role is and that it's doable and they've got the resources that they need. But I mean, you guys would have real math on this. You can't get to the kind of service level, the kind of consumer engagement and satisfaction that we want and need unless employees are, are engaged, right? And so, you know, we could prove that uh, in retail and we have to continue to focus on that uh, in, in our world. And, you know, it's, if, if, if you're not safe, you're not getting to any of those other higher levels of engagement for sure. So that's, that's the work that, that needs to be done prerequisite probably. Well, I think that work is never easy, but easier in a culture like the one that Alina has built, right. But, but from leaders like yourself, Dr. Wheeler and, and the rest of your peers, uh, one that, one that talks about love and fosters the idea of love and trust. And I love what you said about trust being the antidote to fear. Couldn't agree more. I'll, I'll shamelessly be stealing that. 
um, you know, that, that, that certainly is going to have a big helping step towards having engaged and, and safe staff. I think that it probably creates a sense of openness too when they can share with you if they don't feel safe or, or if there's, there's something that is in the way of them being able to fulfill their job. And we know that people come to healthcare for purpose, right? They're, they're driven, driven there for a reason. I want, we just have a couple of moments left and, and I want to end on something here and actually bring our conversation back full circle. And I, I opened with, you know, how, how do you define and fulfill digital and human-centered care? And we've had, a, we've had a great talk about that in the middle parts. As we close, and as you still work on this journey, you said you haven't arrived yet. We get it. Uh, nobody has. What's something that you've seen work exceedingly well that, that you'd love to share with your peers at other health systems that they might put in play that, you know, maybe isn't secret sauce, but, but something that can be played out in, in other markets? Yeah, uh, you're looking for an example of success with with patients or consumers, or sort of more uh, organizationally. Um, however, you would define success in that regard. So, I would would love to hear from both angles if you have it. I think Alina, um, and this happened, you know, this started before my time, uh, so I, I certainly don't get credit for it. But Alina was early to trying to build out a digital experience, and I think, you know, realized that um, that needed to be, you know, not just sort of whatever Epic was offering, but it needed to have a custom kind of experience that was relevant for our company and our patients. And there's been a lot of work uh, early days that went on there. And part two, and maybe the secret sauce of that was that it was, uh, so take scheduling as an example. It was not about uh, building the digital scheduling tool. It was all about the hard operational work that went on to line up, you know, doctors having standard appointment schedules and um, and the change management and the cultural changes associated with that. Right, all of that was prerequisite to the digital uh, layer and the experience that we we gave to consumers and. Um, you know, most, most of our benchmarking says that we've got a head start in that space. That's a big, big success. And, you know, consumers really like it, right? At the same time, we're not open table. <laughs> so it's not like the consumer says, oh my gosh, that's fabulous. Because, you know, they're comparing us to everything else in their life. So it's a little bit like, okay, great, you caught up. But but still, that's that's real progress. Back to the laggards pioneer thing, right? So we're uh, we're finding ways we're finding ways to catch up. So having your operational ducks in a row is really what's allowing you to to do things that would to the consumer seem really innovative and and consumer friendly. And and it's foundational, and you know a lot of attention has to be paid to those those physicians' schedules and helping them adapt to that, right? Back to front stage, backstage thing we we're talking. So in a way, in a way, you are like open table because they can go leave a review if they if they <laughs> if they don't like or like the experience, <laughs> which is a whole other thing. We don't have time to get into that. Ryan, let me let me as we close, let me pose that same question to you. Sure. You know what what do you see from more of a macro perspective? What what's working exceedingly well in in this regard? 
Well, I think Jeff nailed it. And it's it's so much of the work we can do ahead of time. I keep coming back just in this hour to that idea of you built your brand up front and you centered it around the consumer. You know, our mission of human understanding, we've talked about that so much. And unfortunately, in the reality of healthcare, the consumer is often on the outside looking in. What's changed is that they're louder because they're paying more. They're seeing more of what other people are saying in ratings and reviews. And there's a buzz around that. That's the only reason I think why we're paying more attention to the consumer. They've always wanted great care. But the work you've done ahead of time, operationally, the things that aren't fun, that aren't even seemingly consumer facing. So why would we focus on that when we're, we're trying to deal with consumers? You've been able to blend that inside outside approach so well that when a consumer takes that journey, there's a consistently strong approach to engaging them. And in the end, they feel like that journey was about them, not about the organization. So let me ask you one more thing, Jeff. I, I think you've done so well in this. So you've got a great situation. You, you're like the kid that showed up to school and actually did their homework and read the textbook and you're set up for the test. There's other people that aren't in that situation, aren't in quite a positive situation. They're listening and watching now. What is one thing they can do, one little thing that they can do just as a start on their own journey of trying to make the consumer part of their organization in a better way? I think find a way to make the consumer perspective visible to the people who need to, to uh, see it, to the executives. And, you know, that probably can show up in a way that, um, you know, through, through numbers, NRC, NPS scores, but you need to bring it to life too uh, in, in stories that people connect to. Tell you one of the most one of the most powerful uh, stories that we were able to tell to our executives, you know, probably two plus years ago now, is highlights this fragmentation thing, right? And you say it's fragmented, and that that sort of is an interesting word, but it's not terribly compelling. We had a patient who loves us, loves us, loves us, loves us. She's a cancer survivor. She had a double mastectomy that we performed for her and she is, she's doing great. And she's very thankful. She got a message from us about three months after that procedure for her uh, to come in for her annual breast exam. And that's a huge, a huge brand disappointment, right? That's just, embarrassing. It was a well-intended outreach to manage her health, but the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. And so that's a great way for people to connect to. Stories like that are, are needed for people to connect to the human part of that. And as a way to frame up, you know, what should our brand ambition be, right? And it should be to not have those kinds of uh, experiences for patients in addition to all the math that you can bring to the table. Yeah, love that. Thank you, thank you very much. Well, we're out of time, unfortunately, because I think we could spend a couple more hours talking about this with you. Uh, transparently, I wanna say, and I probably speak for Ryan as well, that we're pretty disappointed we did not see a chicken walk by in, in the back view of the camera, but. It's so one thing we didn't cover. Did not cover that. But uh, thank you so much for being gracious with your time, your, your insight and your expertise, Jeff. Uh, until next time, we'll just say goodbye. Thank you very much. Yeah, guys, thanks, it was fun. Good luck, be safe.